I'm going to try to do a Devar Torah that's, it's my way of doing a little bit of a love song on this tuba av. And uh, ordinarily, I would do this by making you a mixtape and dropping it off and wondering what you're going to email me or call me later and what, which song you liked or whether you're sure you don't want to see me again. But in this case, I'll try to do it with words of Torah. The Torah reading today leaves us with a puzzle. Moshe recounts the revelation of the Decalogue to the entire people. And then we have the Shema and the Viahata. We hear, we hearken, and we will each love with our whole heart, soul, and strength. And these Devarim, these words or Aserat Adibrot, uttered this very day, will be inscribed upon our hearts, upon our foreheads, upon our gates, and so on. What are these words that we're inscribing upon our hearts, that we're listening to and putting into practice? Sounds a little bit like it could be referring the puzzle to the Ten Commandments. Yaserat brought. We just had it. And then we get the Shema and Viahafta right away. And it would fit with perhaps what's going to be on our hearts and souls and, and with our strength, this idea of avoiding idolatry and graven images, which consumes the pesukim around the area we read today. Ibn Ezra speaks for the rabbis when he severely condemns even the question. It is absolutely not the Ten Commandments, Ibn Ezra says. Don't give succor to those who deny the rabbinic tradition. And so we go with the other side of the puzzle. The Shema, the Vayahafta, it refers to the entire Torah. And even more than that, the entire tradition of multiple voices, written and oral, put together to make the voices that comprise revelation. Today is Tuba Av, Jewish Valentine's Day, the day of making matches, the day of celebrating love. Today is the day we chant from the Torah, via Hafta, and you shall love. And so what is love? What can we think about love? What does it mean to connect to Torah? The rabbis give us a sense of it by preceding our Shema in our prayers with either Ahavat Olam in the evening or Ahava Rabbah in the morning, both from the word, of course, Ahava. Ahava Rabbah. It's a great love. I think that sounds like a top 10 hit to me. I wouldn't put it first on the mix, but you know, second is the key spot, the love song, something that says a great love, Ahava Rabbah. It's a love that God showed our ancestors and shows to us. How? Through giving all of Torah, mishpatim, chukim, a way to live, ideas, moral direction, understanding. And Ahavat Olam at, at, at night, instead of, so this would be, I don't know, track four. Instead of the great love, the big love, we get, I call it cosmic love. As you know from Adon Olam, Olam means an infinity of time and space. And there's no good word in English for it. It is the love of the universe, the love that comes from the infinity of time and space directly to us. And what does the prayer tell us? It tells us before reciting the Shema, how does God love us? By giving us Torah. But what does that mean? By giving us understanding the ability to understand and to learn. Those who are regulars of Friday night services know that I never get tired of this. I never, ever get tired of being an 
awe. I feel loved by being able to have some modicum of understanding my life, the ability to learn from family, from teachers, from community, from others, from books. And Torah is more than the Ten Commandments. And as the rabbis expand this puzzle to answer so much on one side, Torah, which means teaching or instruction, it is understanding everything. It is as much as you can understand. If someone teaches me about the law and I understand more of how it works, I understand more of how society works. I understand more of my direction. Being taught is to be loved. Helping someone for me to understand, giving me tools to continue into the promised land without them. To teach is to love. So we precede the Shema with the great love, the love of the universe coming out us. You are given the possibility of learning. You are given the possibility of understanding. So Torah is not, it was delivered and now I follow it. Because that's not how teaching works. And I hope in your relationships, not, that's not the way love works. What it means to connect to Torah and to each other is to connect to it all, to connect to every way of understanding what it means to be human, what it means to go forward in our lives. It is to learn and Shema, hear it, soak it in, practice it, get ready for the Amidah in which we take it forward with how it can change my path. And then return it, the ahata, return it by teaching others. Therefore, the rabbis, whether it was ever in the mezuzah or the tefillin, whether it was the Ten Commandments originally or not, it's replaced just with Shema and the ahata. Listen and teach. And you're rising up and you're going to sleep. The Torah is not a book. It is larger than that. The book is a gift we have to learn how to connect to Torah. The medieval commentator, the Orachayim, writes, this verse about keep these words in your heart, wishes to teach the Israelite that love is not something a person is able to force upon his will, to carry out in a way he can subjugate his will to. That a, that's kind of like a king's orders. That's a misunderstanding of love. It's not something subservient to willpower. Love serves the heart. As long as the heart itself does not feel an impulse which causes it to develop a liking for someone or something, the owner of the heart cannot force it to respond to his urgings. The verse is coming to teach us that if you keep the words of the teachings close to your heart, your heart will in time begin to develop the desire on its own, the desire for affinity with them. And the affinity will in turn develop into love. During the pandemic, but during always, a great love that I feel, that we feel, is the gift of being able to connect to Torah. I will miss saying the Torah baracha instead of the Torah service, but I accept the exchange. You have to give a little to get something in love. 
I will miss saying the blessing that we should occupy our, our minds, occupy ourselves with Torah at all times. A friend, Rabbi, who, who said, always translated, la'asok bedivrei Torah. Don't say what it really means, occupy, busy, have that in your brain at all times, sort of just sitting there. Just say soak, like la'asok, soak yourself in words of Torah. And it is like an act of love. I mean, today I was thinking we're at Mount Sinai, this is the way it works. And, 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 uh, and I was thinking of the Friday night service and, and how the, the Psalms lead you through of Kabbalah Shabbat saying, you know, it's hard to connect with God when the clouds are in the way, uh, shielding the presence, often the clouds of injustice and confusion. But we got to remember Mount Sinai, God spoke out of a cloud. So have the faith. And here my glasses are fogging up and I can't see Divrei Torah because I'm looking through a cloud and I'm trying to see who's here and I'm looking through a cloud at you and the words of Torah are seeping into me. I consider that an act of love. Being with Torah is to show your best self to it. It's like going on a date. Show your best self to the words of Torah when you're soaking them in the imagery Carry them with you through the week. It will see its best self when you see its best self in it. That is love. Love is when you see the best self in another so they can see themselves that way. Torah will see your best self in you so you can see yourself that way. You'll scare it away if you come at it with your self-centeredness, talking too much about yourself. My wife tells me she had many dates like that. She didn't tell me if I talked too much about myself on our first date, but um, I'm assuming she means I didn't, but I doubt it. I probably did. (laughs) Don't talk too much about yourself at the first date. Ask it questions. Listen to it. And if there's ever going to be a second date, don't judge. Maybe what you think it is isn't it. Maybe it doesn't know exactly what it is either because it's being different with you. That is love. Maybe walk home afterwards with the words it stated floating in your head, a song it loved caught in your mind. Maybe it goes home thinking of your questions and answer with your aroma filling the spaces between its words. Learning is not the receiving of information. Torah was delivered. Let it be delivered and take it in. Last week, Moshe was pictured as a teacher. The rabbi said, here he is. It's the irony. We're at Ve'ed Hanan today, the Shabbat of consolation. And of course, we all know that Moses starts off by pleading with God for consolation and receives very little of it. So Moshe wants to enter the promised land. He wants to go with the people. And God says, no way. But God does say, and the rabbis imagine, what your consolation is, is you get to be a teacher once again. And last week, the rabbis imagined that as Moses is writing words on the large stones in this kind of plaster, white and black, they imagine it's a blackboard. And each student visits with Moshe individually for a final appointment with the professor, with the teacher. And Moshe says, what's the one piece that you're forgetting? What's the one piece you need to learn? What's that one voice that you're working with? What's soaking in you that you would like clarified? And Moshe teaches one last time. And like the shepherd examining the sheep, 
Each one leaves and then the next one enters Moshe's office in front of the blackboard of the Divrei Torah. Moshe says, I'll teach you the part you're forgetting, the one that is unique to your understanding, to your heart. Alana Kershan points out a midrash from Kohelet Rabbah. If you remembered Torah so that you could obey it, you'd give up studying it after two or three years, for there would be no more reason to keep learning, to keep soaking yourself in it. So that the midrash says you need to forget so that you have the opportunity to relearn. It's what Heschel says about Torah and about love, about all relationships. Sometimes you need to forget what the person was so that you can see them anew and walk the path in the present moment. And sometimes you are the guardian of the memories for them. And thus, as the Midrash points out, the fragments, the pieces of Torah that we forget, the fragments of the tablets are in the ark along with the second set of tablets. And so the Torah that we forget what it meant to us at a different time of our life, those fragments are put inside the ark as we learn it anew. In this way, we continually place the fragments of the tablets in the ark as we learn anew appropriate to our age. Kirshen reminds us of the famous Midrash that God says, Yishar Koach to Moshe when he breaks the first set of tablets because God comforts him. Next time, I'll add the oral revelation to the set, and it'll be a new set. Something comes out of the brokenness of the tablets, comes out of the brokenness of forgetting what we thought we knew. I'm going to close today with my, maybe my favorite quotation about relationships, well, one of them anyway. And for me, I think of the Orachayim saying, how do you get that heart to want to be, to love Torah? to be filled with words of Torah. So as you go along in your life, you're humming that song, you're thinking about that question, suddenly you're angry at it. I can't believe he said that to me on that date. It was really the wrong note. I'm gonna to have to work out why he thought that was okay. This description of her relationship with her difficult husband by Natalia Ginsburg, it's from an essay called Human Relationships from 1962, from her book, The Piccolo Virtu, the, um, the little virtues. I feel this way about Torah, how we come to love it. One day we meet the right person. We are unmoved because we haven't recognized that this is the right person for us. Nevertheless, we walk with the right person along the streets at the edge of the city. And little by little, we fall into the habit of walking together every day. From time to time, we wonder absentmindedly whether we are not perhaps walking with the right person, but we think we're probably not. We are too calm. The earth and the sky are unchanged. The minutes and hours flow quietly on without awakening any deep echo in our heart. We have been mistaken so often. We believed we were in the presence of the right person and we weren't. And in the presence of each wrong person, we were impetuously swept away in such a tumult of emotion that we scarcely had strength left to think. We found ourselves living at the center of a landscape on fire. And then all at once the fire would die down and there was nothing left but a few dying embers. There are many burnt out landscapes. We can't even count them. We wonder where the next one is coming from. 
but now nothing is on fire. For weeks and months, we spend our days with the right person without realizing, only sometimes the thought of the curve of his lips, of certain of his gestures, the intonation of his voice produces a slight tremor in our heart, but we don't think anything of such a slight muffled tremor. The strange thing is that we're, when we're with this person, we always feel shalom. We always feel at peace. We're able to breathe deeply. Mishmat kolchai. And our forehead, which has been so wrinkled and grim in the past, seems smooth again. And we never tire of the talking and of the listening. We realize we never had a relationship like this before. In time, all human beings had seemed inoffensive, but also simple to us. But when we walk beside this person with his pace that is different from ours, and yes, a severe profile, he has an infinite capacity to do to us everything that is good and everything that is evil. And yet we feel infinitely calm. And so we leave home and go to live with this person forever, not because we are sure that he is the right person. In fact, we're never entirely sure. And we always suspect that the right person for us is hiding away, goodness knows where. But we don't want to know what this other person is hiding because we feel that we have by now very little to say to him. Because we say everything to this person who is not perhaps the exactly right person, but they're the one with whom we now live. And we want to receive the good and the evil of our lives from this person and be there with them when we do. Every now and then, we have violent differences, and, this, and they erupt into the open. But they are unable to destroy the infinite peace and the bond we have within us. After many years, only after many years, after a thick web of habits, memories, and violent differences that have woven between us, we realize that this person in truth is the right person for us. We can't even imagine having put up with anyone else. And it's only from this person that we can ask everything that the heart needs. Shabbat Shalom.